the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. Real love is calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes. Even, even when David said there in Psalm 39, when he says, show me, O Lord, my life's end in verse 4, he's not like wishing for death there. He's just saying, I, I need to have the right perspective that I'm not going to live forever. So give me a sober view of life so that I can make the best of the time that I have. We especially, if you're a believer in Christ, if you know Christ as your Savior, this should create a greater dependence on God and it should create an earnestness to live life to the fullest because time is short. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Psalms. The understanding that we will someday die should fuel in us a desire to serve God. Pastor Gary tells us today that David understood that only through God's intervention could he possibly find eternal life. We now know that through Christ, we can be saved. This means eternity is available to those of us who ask Christ into our hearts. This should inspire us to go out and share Christ's salvation with anyone we can. For if we don't, they will die. Be aware of your mortality so that you might grasp just how incredible Christ's gift to us is. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in Psalms chapter 39 for part two of today's message titled, The Frail and Brevity of Life. Instead of talking about God in front of unbelievers, he's going to take it right to God. And verse 4 on is a prayer. And notice verse 4 again. He says, show me, O Lord, my life's end and the number of my days. Let me know how fleeting is my life. You have made my days a mere handbreadth. The span of my years is as nothing before you. Each man's life is but a breath. Man is a mere phantom as he goes to and fro. He bustles about, but only in vain. He heaps up wealth, not knowing who will get it. Okay, now, what David writes here now in this section is he writes here about the frailty and brevity of life. He's going to tell us a few things that are important. And and by the way, the reason he goes down this path is because it's going to shape a proper perspective. Here he is moaning about his own... uh, sin and the way God's been disciplining him and he doesn't like it and all this stuff. But then he's going to get this proper perspective about the frailty and brevity of life. 
and we'll come back to what he realizes later in the passage. But for the moment, I want you to take notes with me if you do. The frailty of life. Here's the first thing that he mentions, and it's in verse 4. He says, let me know how fleeting is my life. And New King James Version says, let me know how frail I am. Okay, life is frail. The human life is frail. We have to understand this. Despite what some, you know, popular musicians have sung about, there have been a multitude of songs entitled Forever Young. Okay, Bob Dylan had a song. Uh, Rod Stewart had a song, Forever Young. Jay-Z had a song, Forever Young. Uh, I'm not going to quote Jay-Z because it's a lot of raunchy words in it, but I will, I will quote Rod Stewart. Rod Stewart had a whole song about Forever Young. It was actually a song about his kids and how he hoped that they would stay forever young, although, you know, we can't keep our kids from growing up. We all grow up eventually, but the song that he wrote back in the 80s, May the good Lord be with you down every road that you roam. And may sunshine and happiness surround you when you're far from home. And may you grow to be proud, dignified, and true. And do unto others as you'd have done to you. Be courageous and be brave. And in my heart you'll always stay forever young, forever young. May good fortune be with you. May your guiding light be strong. Build a stairway to heaven with a prince or a vagabond. And may you never love in vain. And in my heart you will remain forever young, forever young. I mean, we're kind of obsessed with trying to be forever young, but the reality is that the Bible tells us that we're all going to die. I mean, we intellectually know that, but sometimes we don't want to face that reality. We all know, right, we're we're going to die. I mean, life is frail. And the truth is that every single one of us is only one breath or one heartbeat away from meeting our maker. Every single one of us. Tomorrow has no guarantees. Young or old. I do some work with the sheriff's department, and on Tuesday night, I was doing a ride-along with one of the deputies, and we ended up getting a distress call. It was for an infant, a 10-month-old little girl. And so we went to the house, and then we we followed the ambulance to the hospital, and I went into the pediatric ICU emergency unit there and just saw this mother distraught. Her 10-month-old baby had been intubated, and they had one of those hand ventilators just trying to get her to breathe. And I prayed with the mom and prayed for her little girl and left. And I honestly don't even know. I mean, she was doing better before I left. And I pray that, that she recovered. But, folks, we just don't even know. I mean, here was a 10-month-old baby. Nobody knows. Just because you, you may not be in your 80s doesn't necessarily mean that you're guaranteed tomorrow. Okay? All of us, young and elderly, are but one heartbeat away from meeting our maker. Life is frail. The Bible describes the human life like grass and flowers that spring up and then fade away. In 1 Peter 1.24, it says, For all men are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. But the grass withers and the flowers fall. The one psalm that actually Moses wrote in the book of Psalms is Psalm 90. And Moses would write in Psalm 90, 5 and 6, You sweep man away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning. Though in the morning it springs up new, by evening it is dry and withered. Life can be swept away at the blink of an eye. Life is frail. David also writes here that about the brevity of life. He says, Life is short. And he uses three expressions in verses 5 and 6 to communicate just how short life is. He says it is a mere hand breadth. He says life is but a breath. 
And thirdly, he says, man is a mere phantom. So in the first one, in verse 5, first part of verse 5, he tells us that, that life is a mere hand breadth. Now, in the Bible, there are roughly 10 different kinds of distant measurements. Uh, you have the measurement of a span, a cubit, a long cubit, a fathom, a reed, a furlong, a stadion, a Sabbath's day journey, and a day's journey. These are all different kinds of lengths and distant measurements in the Bible. A day's journey is 20 miles. That's the longest measurement in the Bible. And the shortest measurement is this, a handbreadth. And it is basically the measurement of the, your four fingers across your palm. It's roughly three inches, give or take. And David is using the smallest measurement in the Bible to communicate about the brevity of life. He says, friends, life is short. It passes quickly. It's over before you know it. And then he mentions here about how life is but a breath. In the other part of verse 5, he says, life is but a breath. And the New King James Version, it says, every man at his best state is but vapor. King James Version says every man in his best state is altogether vanity. So NIV uses the word breath. Uh, New King James uses the word vapor. King James uses the word vanity. It is the Hebrew word havel. Havel literally means breath or a gentle breeze. And figuratively, it is referring to emptiness, something transitory or unsatisfactory. David is saying that life is like your breath on a frosty day. You know how when it's cold outside and you, you breathe and you can see your breath for a moment and then it vanishes. That's the concept being used here. David says it's like a breath. Picture, you know how little kids blow bubbles with those little bubble sticks, you know, soapy bubbles, and, and then they go chasing after them, but you can't even grab them before they burst. That's life. That's, that's the idea here. Breath, vapor, vanity. It just, it eludes you. It escapes you so quickly. It's here and then it's gone. It's very similar to what James said in the New Testament, James 4.14. James says, what is your life? And then he answers it. He says, you are a mist that appears for a moment, and then it vanishes. And then the third expression that David uses is, man is a mere phantom. Now, I don't personally prefer that word in the NIV because it sounds like that you're just a ghost. You're not a ghost. But the New King James uses the word shadow. It's a better translation of the Hebrew word. Again, it's the idea that a shadow doesn't last long. I mean, how long does a shadow last? For a day, if you're, you know, if you're outside and it's really sunny all day long. But then as the sun sets, the shadow fades away. That's the concept here. Life is like a shadow. And the sun will set on each of our lives one day. And then what? Time is short. Life is passing us by. Now, with all this talk here, verses 4 through 6 that we just kind of highlighted, with all this talk about the brevity of life and the frailty of life, you know, David is not trying to be Debbie Downer, okay? Or, D or David Downer, I guess. You know, he's, he's not trying to be David, oh, I just want you to know about the brevity of life and the frailty of life, and, you know, woe is me, woe is you. That's not his point here, okay? He's actually explaining all this because he's come to a conclusion about why is God is disciplining him. See, first part of this chapter, he's like, you know, I'm going to keep my mouth shut. I don't like what's going on. I'm frustrated. Verses 10 and 11, he talks about the heavy hand of God. You've done this to me. You've been scourging me. You disciplined me because of my sin. Okay, I don't want to ruin my testimony. I don't want to disparage the name of God, but I'm frustrated. But then you know what he realizes? He realizes, okay, wait a minute, though. You know why God is disciplining me? Because time is short. Life is short. And I better get my act together. 
That's what he's saying. He's like, I better get my act together because I don't have any guarantees for tomorrow. Life is just a hand breadth. It's just a shadow. It's just a mist. It's a vapor that appears for a moment and then it's gone. Is I have no guarantee for tomorrow, so I better get my life right with my maker. I better be right with God. I better get myself together here. That's what he realizes. He even describes, by the way, at the end of verse 6, he even describes, this is incredible, he describes the modern rat race at the end of verse 6 that is killing us. Look at the end of verse 6. He says, man bustles about, but only in vain. He heaps up wealth, not knowing who will get it. In other words, man is busy, 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 making money, money, money. We're busy, 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 just trying to get a bunch of money that we're going to turn over to somebody else after we're dead. I mean, does this not describe the plague of Western culture, or even more particularly, of Loudoun County culture in the 21st century? Just be busy. Just get busy, 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 make a lot of money, get busy again, make some more money, get busy again, busy again, busy again, make a lot of money. David says this whole thing here, it's a rat race. We are busier and wealthier than ever. But are we happier than ever? Are we healthier than ever? Are we more attentive to our kids than ever? Do we attend all their ball games and go to their recitals more than ever? Do we show love and appreciation and value and respect to our spouses because we give them the time to show how much we care more than ever? Are we cultivating friendships more than ever? Do we enjoy leisure more than ever? Or is it just work, 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 make money, work some more, make money? How are you spending the life that God has given you? I read an article a while ago about the way that Americans particularly are, well, the title of the article, this says a lot, it it was the poverty of time, the poverty of time. And in the article, it said this, quote, though professionals everywhere complain about lacking time, the gripes are loudest in America. This makes some sense. American workers toil some of the longest hours in the industrial world. Employers are not required to offer their employees proper holidays, but even when they do, their workers rarely use the lot. The average employee takes only half of what is allotted, and 15% don't take any holidays at all. Nowhere, the article says, nowhere is the value of work higher and the value of leisure lower than in America. End quote. And this isn't anything new. More than 150 years ago, Alexis de Tocqueville, in observing American culture more than 150 years ago, he wrote in his journal, quote, Americans are always in a hurry, end quote. Alexis de Tocqueville, more than 150 years ago, Americans are always in a hurry, end quote. Now, Alexis de Tocqueville was French. Everybody's in a hurry compared to the French, all right? You know, don't don't swing the pendulum and don't develop a, a French work ethic, all right? It's not what I'm saying. By the way, I'm, I think that's an oxymoron anyway. French work ethic. Anyway, I'm... Oh, pas de France, oh, people de France. No offense to the people of France. But the truth is that if we're honest with ourselves, we pride ourselves on how busy we are. But what is the quality of life? And what impact are we making 
within our relationships and for the kingdom of God? And what kind of balance do we have? And what are our priorities? These are important questions to ask because David says, life is like a breath and then it's gone. You only get this once. So verse 7 in this psalm is a pivotal verse for him. If you'll notice verse 7, it's the turning point where David asks this question. In fact, I'll put it up on the screens. He asks this question, but now, Lord, what do I look for? So he realizes, I'm frustrated. You've been disciplining me. You're trying to get my attention. Okay, now I realize life is short. I've got to get my act together. And then he says, but now, Lord, what do I look for? What should be my perspective? What should, what should be my focus? What, Lord, do I look for? And then he answers it the next sentence. He says this, my hope is in you. That's what he says. My hope is in you. He realizes my focus, my priority needs to be in you, Lord. In other words, what David is saying is, if the world is nothing but a shadow, and my life is no more than a breath, let me give myself to the Lord, who is the foundation of all that is real and lasting. That's what he's saying. Life's too short. Because i got to give myself to the Lord. He's the only thing that's real and lasting. He's the one that i got to live for. He's, he's the one that I want to promote. He's the one I want to worship. He's the one I want to talk about. Because it's all about the Lord. And he comes back to this personal walk with his creator. And folks, when we do that, when we make the Lord first in our lives, when he becomes priority, then he will order our steps. And everything else, it, it will translate into the proper order of our lives with eternal values in mind. Our main concern about life should not just be how long we live, but how well we live. And are we prepared to die? Because there is life after death. Those are the more important questions. Not how long. We're obsessed with living long. Okay, fine, great. But that shouldn't be our main obsession. It's not about how long we live. It's about how well are we living. And it's about how ready are we to die. What are we doing with the life we have been given? Where will you spend eternity? And when we realize the brevity and frailty of life, it should cause us to have a great dependence on God and a great earnestness about life because time is short. So that's, this is not a morbid thing. You know, even, even when David said there, in Psalm 39, when he says, show me, O Lord, my life's end, in verse 4, he's not like wishing for death there. He's just saying, I, I need to have the right perspective that I'm not going to live forever, so give me a sober view of life so that I can make the best of the time that I have. We especially, if you're a believer in Christ, if you know Christ as your Savior, this should create a greater dependence on God, and it should create an earnestness to live life to the fullest because time is short live life to the fullest though with the eternal values of knowing God and making him known don't get so busy making a living that you neglect to make a life that's what happens we get so busy making a living that we neglect to make a life this is why David said but now Lord what do I look for 
And then he realizes, my hope is in you. He says, my attention, my focus, the significance of my life, my purpose, the reason I'm here, it all points back to you. That's what he's saying. And when we make God our priority, he will help everything to fall into place. When we put him first, he will order our lives. Now, some of you might be saying, yeah, okay, wait. But, you know, I've already... I've gotten my life out of priority, out of kilter, and things have not been going well. I've sacrificed a lot of things because of it. So where do I start? How do I get right? How do I get on the right track here? Well, look at what David does. In verse 8, first thing he does is he realizes, okay, I bear some responsibility in this. Whatever the sin issue in in David's life is, in verse 8, he says, save me from all my transgressions. So the first thing that's always good for us to do is to come humbly before God and to say, Lord, forgive me for my sins. Forgive me of my transgressions. So that's where I would encourage you to start. Ask the Lord to forgive you for all the sins and mistakes that you've made. But then I would encourage you, go to the people that you also need to ask forgiveness from. Because a lot of stuff gets sacrificed on the altar of busyness. Marriages. Friendships. Relationships with kids, our own health. A lot of stuff gets sacrificed on the altar of busyness. Please don't misunderstand. There's nothing wrong with being productive. There's nothing wrong with being fruitful. There's nothing wrong with being successful. But if we don't learn how to manage our time and prioritize our lives, we will suffer for it. And some of you know all too well the pain in your life Because you have not prioritized things, and those things have now been sacrificed on the altar of busyness. And David says here, I need to get my focus on the Lord, and I need to get my life right with him, and it starts with forgiveness. You ask God to forgive you, and it's just right and healthy to ask other people to forgive you if you've wronged them. And so, ask for forgiveness. Second thing we see that David does here, verses 12 and 13, at the end of this psalm, he just cried out to God for help. You know, when you don't know what else to do, the best thing to do is cry to God for help. That's always a good thing to do. Cry to God for help. And that's what he does in verse 12. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Listen to my cry for help. Be not deaf to my weeping. Hey, remember, David was a man's man. He was a warrior. Cuts off Goliath's head with Goliath's sword. Okay, he's done a lot of nasty, gnarly things in his life. Gnarly, that dated me right there, didn't that? (laughs) Gnarly, I haven't said that since 1980-something. But anyhow, you get the picture. And yet, he was a man who was easily broken. And he wept. It's okay, men, to cry when you know you're sorry about something. And David weeps here. He's not ashamed of it. In all of his masculinity, it's not weak to weep. He weeps before God, and he says, Lord, I've done wrong, and I need your help. And he cries out to God for his help. Help me, O Lord. Be not deaf to my weeping. He says, for I dwell with you as an alien, a stranger, as all my fathers were. He says, I feel out of place in this world. I'm like like an alien and a stranger, which is consistent with the New Testament. The Bible tells us that in the New Testament, too. We are aliens and strangers in this world. Paul says to the church in Philippians, our citizenship is in heaven. Okay, we're passing through here, friends. This is a journey on the way to an ultimate destination to be with the Lord. David says, I'm like an alien and stranger. In verse 13, he says, look away from me that I may rejoice again before I depart and am no more. In other words, David says, look away from me, Lord, because he feels the shame of his selfish life. So he begs God, look away from me, Lord. Don't don't look on this selfish life anymore. I want to be able to rejoice in the remainder of the life that I still have. And so he calls upon the mercy of the Lord, but says, don't look at me. 
with the condemning eyes because of my own foolishness and my sinfulness. I, I need your help, Lord. I need to turn this around with the time I have left. I need to make my priorities right. I need to get right with you. And I need you to be Lord of all in my life. Folks, God has given us just one life to live. Just one. But time is short. And life is frail. So use the time that God has given you wisely. Each psalm we read is intended to point us to one thing, the sovereignty of our Creator. Through pain, tears, joy, and praise, we meet a new characteristic of God with each new chapter. Though we don't know the melodies that accompany this collection of old, we benefit from the deeply passionate and poetic words. We hope your soul has been touched by the teaching you heard today on Cornerstone Connection. Pastor Gary Hamrick will return soon with more from this Old Testament book. But in the meantime, you'll be able to find additional messages at cornerstoneconnection.cc. We'd like to encourage you to download our mobile app while you're there so you can stay connected to God's Word wherever you happen to be. Each day can be made brighter by the love and power of our Lord. And it's so convenient to have it right at your fingertips. If you live in or are visiting the Leesburg area, we'd love for you to come be a part of our weekly worship services on Sundays. Cornerstone Chapel meets at 8.30, 10, and 11.45 a.m. each week or try our Wednesday night Bible study at 7 p.m. For directions and more information, visit cornerstoneconnection.cc. That's all for today, but be sure to join us next time for another in-depth look at the Psalms right here on Cornerstone Connection. They say you're a wandering soul That you've got no place to go But still you know You're not alone. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.